Welcome back to the Quiet On Set podcast powered by Cineman. I'm Yuan Graf, and as always, I'm joined by Lacontili. The Golden Boys were this week, and a bunch of movies <laughs> took home some golden awards. That's yes. right, the Golden Globes. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I'm not an awards guy, but I like to see who wins. Ewan did, though, so he's going to tell us all about it. I will. I actually watched them live with a, a bunch of you in the audience. It was a fun time. But I also caught uh, some 2022 releases in the week since then. Among them, the new Guy Ritchie film, Operation Fortune, Rousse de Guerre, and uh, Plane. And Lachlan caught some uh, series like Yellowstone and Copenhagen Cowboy. Finally, this week, a bunch of white noise. The latest film from Narrowed Story director Noah Bombach. How much did you and I enjoy this film? Well, you'll find out later on in this episode. Stick around to hear our thoughts. We are professionals. This is, this is a professional podcast. Yeah. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Hello there. <laughs> Which actually, did you this get is going to be a as bit... well? Um, yes. So I've got Dune Cam. <laughs> it's just a camera <laughs> with my Dune steelbook. All right, welcome back, Lachlan. Uh, been a busy week. I know that uh, for for some of it, you weren't at home, right? You had uh, some house. Uh, I have been house sitting to. all week, uh, and I shaved my head. Uh, yes, have a nice little buzz, Big change. buzz cut. Mm-hmm. I like how we said that we're gonna do it at five k, but I was just like, it's too hot here, and I was <laughs> it's like, me, my I guess too, is coming. I needed to shave it off because it's summer here and it gets quite warm. Uh, I've yeah. missed my beautiful Dolby Atmos surround sound <laughs> Dolby Vision set up so much uh mm-hmm. I just had to as soon as I came home I had to watch something and I yeah. just put on Blade Runner 2049 and was like oh I miss this setup yeah. I love it so much <laughs> but no that's been my week I hear you got drunk well I didn't hear I I, I definitely caught a little bit of it in the yeah. replay because uh, mm-hmm. I was asleep when you did it uh oh, right. uh Golden Globes you got drunk I did. Each time I got a prediction wrong, I ended up drinking. I don't know what the final tally was, and I definitely missed keeping track of it. I think there's like, I ah. had 26 categories, and I think for 12 of them, I was off. Uh, but the Globes this year were kind of predictable. Uh, and maybe we can make, we can chat a bit more uh, in the news section. This is going to be the only news thing we talk about this week, uh, because it's, it's a big one. Uh, the Globes happened one of the, I'd say, probably biggest i guess award shows other than the oscars and maybe for tv the emmys they also uh, it's also like the in between right you get tv and you get the film here as well now Lachlan, did you have a look already what what won or are you jumping in completely um i'm here? pretty much aware of what won so you can't spoil it for me i've, I've seen all the yeah. winners i didn't watch the ceremony because i mean i could probably just assume it. i mean I'm me neither if you agree. To be was, fair. The, was the ceremony <laughs> was the ceremony boring was the whole thing quite boring well i i never got to watch it because regionally it's not available to me so i had someone in discord share his audio with me as we were reacting to it so i never saw right. anything of the globes uh, it was quite okay. underwhelming. Hopefully, we'll figure something out for the Oscars because I would actually like to see it. Yeah, it's it seemed like I said uh, the winners were quite predictable. There's there's some shakeups in there, maybe that you don't yeah. expect, like some films that some people counted out um, for the award season that now uh, seem to be uh, making a, a reappearance, right? Some more confidence to them. Um, but uh, I, I was I was quite um, excited for uh, Gerard Carmichael to host it, but whenever I I heard him, he was such an in between thing of just teasing the next announcer, which I guess is what you get to do at uh, award shows. And in between, he made like jokes at the expense of the Globes, and it was like mainly like, "Ooh, look at this representation joke," and it was very boring in that that way because it feels so hollow, and it wasn't very funny. Um, but sure. I mean, that's just typically just the award shows, I guess, you know, that's yeah. usually, they didn't do like a lot of these bits in between. Um, but they did have an extensive, I think like 50 mini tribute for Ryan Murphy, the director of Dharma. And I don't, I do not like that guy. <laughs> I hate him because I feel like he's, he, he gets to do whatever he wants on Netflix, but we don't get Fincher's continuation of of his show or just i guess maybe he's, he's back with the killer i don't know if that's a netflix thing but i just i just don't like his approach of like just exploiting serial killer shit it just feels sens- sens- uh, sensationalized and it was just out of place to have like a 15 minute thing and then they also did a whole bunch of um i guess playing off some of the winners as they were not even that deep into their speeches and for some of them they let them go on for on and on and on so 
I mean, the typical thing that you'd expect from an award show. Cool. Lots of uh, little annoyances. But uh, Lachlan, let's talk about the winners or, or I guess the losers yes. here as yes. well. I guess the 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 biggest one. Um, just to get into it, I don't know if we want to go over the acting stuff. I mainly am interested in um some of the technical screenplay and stuff like that. Uh, but the Globe split it up into comedy, musical, and drama. And in the drama section, the Fablemans won. It, it wow. went up against Avatar, Elvis, uh, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. And uh, this was a bit of a category that was dif uh, difficult to predict. Uh, if you mm. had looked a couple years back, I think with the voting body from five years ago, probably Elvis would have won this. So interesting to see, well, Spielberg take this home, as well as like another award. He also won um, Best Director. Which was a big surprise because both of us did predict that the Daniels would would take this yeah. most likely, and they didn't. I was hoping for a clean sweep from the everywhere, yes. every everything, everywhere, all at once team, uh, because mm -hmm. I, that movie was wicked and it should get some awesome recognition from uh, yep. big nights like this, and hopefully the Oscars in a couple of weeks time. I think the Oscars in March. In it's gonna. It's March, I think the twelfth yeah. of March, so we're still uh, two months off. Uh, yeah, a bit less than two months off. Yeah. But um, it, it's it's interesting that the Fablemans took away with a uh, best picture. Um, mm -hmm. I can definitely see why, and I, I've always described. I think I've I've run this joke into the ground that it's the most Spielbergy Spielberg film of all time, yeah. as it's a Spielberg movie about himself. Uh, so you can see that there's probably a bunch of circle jerking going around in the sense that, hey, look, our good mate made a movie about himself and it's actually also a very good movie at the same time. But yeah. it's um, to go up against, you know, two of the biggest blockbusters of the year, Top Gun Maverick mm -hmm. and Avatar Way of Water. Tar is probably one of the uh, only undercutters in this category where I don't think yeah. there's a lot of people who would have seen that. So it's a bit of an odd spot. But even Elvis for a good maybe month of it being out was a massive cultural thing. And uh, obviously oh, yeah. his performance gets noted because he did get best actor as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So well, you have Austin Butler winning oh, in, uh, yeah. uh, in Elvis um, up against uh, a couple of pretty uh, big hitting act, uh, performances as well. But um, I, I think that it's a, uh, Interesting that Spielberg got a double whammy. Uh, but I guess uh, Spielberg wasn't the biggest winner of the night because uh, to me, a bit surprisingly, I mean, they took home two awards. Everything Everywhere got two for Michelle Yeoh as leading and then Kede Kwan in supporting actor, which I think yep. is pretty much a lock for the Oscars. He's been sweeping. I think he's been winning literally everything. There's some more interesting races uh, when it comes to uh, lead performance, I think supporting performance. Uh, there's a bunch of toss-ups, especially between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh, which here were split into two different categories, so they both ended up winning one. We don't get to see that at the Oscars because it's just one support mm. uh, lead category. Uh, but we'll do our predictions closer to when the Oscars are around uh, for and when they get announced in, I think, two weeks' time. But Martin McDonough with the Banshees of Inner Sheeran ended up uh, taking home three awards for that film uh, with Colin Farrell in lead. For the best screenplay and the best comedy musical, also etching out everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, so that yeah. was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Um, again, I guess it's like the same thing. Uh, I uh, I'm a bit biased since it was my favorite film of last year. Everywhere uh, with everything, yeah. everywhere, all at once. So doesn't mean it's like I'm disappointed because I still think that Banshees is uh, a wicked comedy. It just wasn't my personal favorite from last year um glass onion getting nominated is a bit of a fucking joke though i will say that uh, <laughs> yeah. well um, what else are you going with, it with to, uh, for best comedy i mean, I mean it is a comedy right i, I don't know i don't know how many yes. other great cop i mean i would have loved to seen bros up there i don't think oh well babylon uh, now that i've seen it we'll talk about it next week i mean it's pretty funny but it's i, I don't know if it's the main intention maybe that's even more musical numbers with that crazy score which by the way babylon ended up taking just one award home for best score it's also sweeping uh having seen the movie and now i've been listening to, to the score it is a crazy score but it's actually like really good as well mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean glass onion what else would you put in there 
<laughs> All Quiet on the Western Front? What's, what's the first uh, comedy yeah, of the year? Yeah, sure. That's All big. Quiet on the Western Front sounds like a great <laughs> idea, you and chuck yeah. into a comedy no. slash yeah. musical. Um, I don't know. I mean, a comedy slash musical. Maybe an actual musical of the year. One. We didn't get that many, to be honest. Um, yeah. So I feel like the strongest ones are, are represented here. And uh, that was an interesting thing as well, uh, because Glass Onion, after it released on Netflix, its ratings actually dropped. It was way better when mm. it was just in theaters. And once it did hit uh, Netflix, um, some of the, yeah, some, some, some worse ratings came in. But overall, I feel like it's an interesting shakeup. I think everywhere is not sweeping everywhere just yet. I still feel like it, it is probably the front runner for the Oscars at the moment, but at least like in directing as well as in screenplay, you know, because uh, Banshees and everything is in mm. um, uh, the original screenplay. And at the yeah. Globes, they don't do a differentiation. Uh, but the best screenplay, original screenplay award is way more packed uh, this year uh, when, when we get to the Oscars because we, we do have the Fablemans, Banshees and uh, Tar as well as everything everywhere in there. Uh, that's going to be going to be quite an interesting um, race to follow. But Question for you, Ewan. Thoughts on yes. the uh, best picture non-English language <laughs> award yeah, with that's uh, such a 1985? <laughs> Argentina, okay, so you've seen uh, you've seen the trial of the Chicago Seven, right? The uh, Aaron Sorkin yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, but Argentinian. It, it is like it's sure. nothing interesting other than the subject itself, but it's not presented sure. in any sort of interesting way. And I would literally give the award to any of the other four films nominated <sighs> there, even though I wasn't a big fan of RRR myself, and that's been getting heaps of love. Like some people actually really wanted to be. Uh, nominated for Best Picture as well because it's not nominated for the... It wasn't submitted by India for the International Oscar, so it won't be appearing there for anyone who's had, had their hopes up. All Quiet on the Western Front, Close, and Decision to Leave are all amazing films. They're, they're all in my top 15, I think, uh, of last year. And mm. Argentina 1985 is very much like lower there. It's solid film, but not. Oh, I feel like the the awards the were probably split on this because we do have a strong mm. year for a lot of these international films. And somehow Argentina ended up winning. I don't know how, uh, but that's probably the most surprising thing that happened that night. Other than I guess this, this bridges us over to what we've been watching because Kevin Costner one uh, best uh, male lead performance uh, in a TV drama series yeah. for Yellowstone, which was also yeah. a bit surprising. Uh, I don't know if it would be a bit surprising since, since I'm making my way through Yellowstone at the moment. And, and that's mainly yeah. why, because I, I, I saw that. And you know how a couple of weeks ago, when we were just talking about our, our favorite films of uh, mm -hmm. 2022, how I kind of said I missed out on a lot of television? Yeah, I decided that I'm going to watch a lot of television. So I guess we're moving into what we've been watching now. Uh, we are, yes. This this week, uh, since I have been out of my own place, uh, house sitting for a friend who has gone overseas, house sitting with uh, his dog Bruce. I haven't been watching a lot of movies because I don't mm -hmm. have my stick set up. So you know, right. I, I can't downgrade. So I decided to watch telly yeah. because. I don't need to have a great surround sound system to watch television. Pfft, what is this? It's the silver screen, not the gold screen. Uh, so I watched Yellowstone. Not all of it. About a season and a half. So I'm halfway through season two at the moment. And I can totally understand the success. And I knew I was going to like it because it is Tyler Sheridan who writes it. Mm -hmm. And they're absolutely wicked when it comes to writing in just general. All of their films that they have done is just some of my favorites of recent memory in terms of suspense and just it's just really good dialogue mainly the tension building is absolutely wicked and and same mm -hmm. thing here with yellowstone yellowstone is basically cowboys uh with lawyers that's pretty much what the show is it's not like a super right. super duper cowboy thing uh which is funny because mm -hmm. i've i've just come off of recently replaying a little bit of red dead redemption 2 so i was in this cowboy right. mood and uh yeah it's just cowboys with lawyers it's great um cool. but other than that i've been keeping my way through supernatural and uh i watched episode one of copenhagen cowboy which was Ooh, a yes interesting opening movie uh opening episode i should say forgive me not opening movie it's a very yeah. interesting 
I guess, concept. And yep. uh, Nicholas Wiping Ren is a uh, is an interesting fellow. I think I spoke about watching the first five seconds the other the other day, and I decided to sit down yeah. and watch it. But um, no, yeah, I, I really like his visual style. I like mm -hmm. some of his storytelling uh, techniques. Uh, but more importantly, I just like weird shit, and uh, it's definitely it's got that impact. So yes. <laughs> oh god. So um, no, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. sitting my way through that one as well. Uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, funnily enough, uh, there's a movie on your, uh, what you've been watching that I'd like to ask you about because yeah. I just want this guy's comeback to Korea to come like, uh, like come back. Uh, I just yeah. said come back to Korea to come back. That makes no sense. Mm. FYI, I'm a little bit hungover. Um, I am <laughs> after, uh, <laughs> a comeback story because his recent films have not been too good. I'm talking about Guy yeah. Ritchie here. Uh, you are talking, yes. They haven't, been, uh, they haven't been to the same level as uh, Snatch, uh, Lockstock, you know, his, his previous films. I mean, I, I, mm -hmm. as much as I didn't like The Gentleman when it came out many years ago, I've kind of grown to enjoy it a bit more. But mm -hmm. uh, recently, the uh, the one that he uh, most recently did, Wrath uh, of, of Man. Man. Mm. Nah, piece of trash. Um, yeah. But no, uh, Ewan, do you want to start off with uh, Operation yeah, uh, Fortune and then the French part mm -hmm. that I won't... Oh, I'll give it a shot. Rusty Guerrilla. <laughs> Rusty Guerre. Nah. It sounds nothing. <laughs> Guerre is, is guerre, uh, which means um, the rules of, uh, I, I guess, of war. Uh, which I don't really get why it, it, it's that. Lachlan, unfortunately... <laughs> This film is a jumbled mess. So there's a reason why uh, it's not even out in the states yet. Uh, it's just got an international release, and I think they're just dropping it on VOD in the states. So it will definitely be overlooked as well. We we have Hugh Grant again, like in a gentleman, just having a good bit of fun, just doing a crazy all over the place performance. Uh, Jason Statham just being a badass, and then Aub Aubrey Plaza giving constant horny energy in some way but also paired with her like odd acting choices that she's been doing since parks and rec throughout her whole career uh and I, I couldn't really make make sense of it if i'm being being honest it's i think it is entertaining i think it's fun but i don't know if it's also distractingly just a bit thrown together in a really messy way that will take away from actually like enjoying it it's sure. it's right on the verge of i'd say yeah no get, go check it out if you want to but it's not like an easy recommendation which i feel is already okay. telling unfortunately if you've been hoping for guy Ritchie to make a bit of a comeback on a comeback uh this is Probably not the movie that we'll get it from. By the way, is he still doing the Aladdin sequel? He's not, right? It's someone else who's supposedly doing. Is that. he not doing it anymore? No, but I see on. Uh, I don't see it on Letterbox, but I see he's doing a live-action remake of the Disney adaptation of uh, Hercules. Apparently, that's just on uh, with with the Russo no, brothers really? to produce. Oh, I mean, that's just God. what I, what what popped up when I looked up Guy Ritchie on Letterbox. I don't know if there's any truth to that. I, I never saw that in the news. Um, it also doesn't have a release date. I mean, date, on so. IMDb, he's still set to direct. I haven't changed it. And I, I haven't heard anything about him no longer doing the live-action sequel. Uh, I I guess not ugh, with Will Smith. Really you know, that's a bit of a thing as well. I feel like Aladdin is probably not going to be continued. When, um, well, it's definitely not going to have Will Smith in it. Yeah. I also see he's working on a TV series called The Gentleman. Yeah, I, I don't know what um, Guy Ritchie is doing. Uh, it, it's a bit odd. The Mystery of Ungentlemanly Warfare. I don't know what he has with these long titles. I think that also Operation Fortune Rustiger is not a great movie title. They're going to they're gonna chop that up, especially internationally, from for the distribution and just make a completely different title out of it because with the american audiences you gotta you gotta make something that they can actually pronounce or even the australian ones you know uh but yeah a bit disappointing what do you mean um, did you not just hear me pronounce it beforehand we know you, how to you pronounce did, french shit I, we're very, well, you we're did very pronounce something here. i don't know if you pronounced it correctly maybe maybe i heard you wrong but no uh, Whatever. i finished actually last night copenhagen cowboy the new uh sure. limited series 
Uh, because you said last week that you watched one ep one one second of it, and I thought like or oh, five seconds Pretty of much. it, and I thought, well, maybe he'll finish the show and we get to talk about it together. I guess you watched the first one. I um watched uh the first half of this, the first three episodes in Venice because he 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 had a premiere there for the series. Uh, he he was there as well. Uh, so that was a fun experience. But after three hours, after the three first three episodes, I was kind of really tired out of this whole like really weird experience that Copenhagen Cowboy gives you. Yep. Having a bit of distance, I don't know, because I didn't rewatch the first three episodes, I just jumped straight into episode four. And I thought the second half of the show is way better than the first half. Uh because that I makes thought me excited. That, yeah, it had some stunning visual moments. It's still just as weird, but it, it just it just it just flowed a bit better. And I don't know if it was because I played it on 1.5 speed because you can't do that on Netflix. <laughs> then it was like, okay. It's I hate you. Slow. <laughs> have I not told you this, but I hate you now? Because you should have, you should have not have told me that. Hang on. Ewan, yeah. You don't actually do that, do you? I, well, I, I did it for this. This explains uh, how you not, watch not so many fucking movies each week because you're watching well, it for like two times speed. Well, no, Netflix lets you do it because uh, um, I did watch it at work. Uh, last night because I was working and I, I, I had it on my I didn't have it on my Dolby Surround Atmos I, I liked the visuals of it I didn't really like the performances like from the lead it didn't really give me much if I'm being honest uh, but it's it's weird enough that um, the people who are gonna finish this whole show are probably gonna like it as well but <laughs> a bunch of people will not get past episode one but yeah it, it gets like progressively a bit less weird but more visually interesting that's how I describe it's it it's a show that you're probably not gonna be able to recommend to people uh, it's no. just gonna be a show that they're gonna have to stumble upon themselves exactly so that's probably why the last time we mentioned it is when you finish it and you share your thoughts on it but I was thinking uh, let's do like a separate review for it and I was like well who who would it be for no the people who watch Copenhagen yeah. Cowboy don't need to hear our thoughts on it. They can just experience it for themselves. But yeah, that's that show. Uh, yeah, I, I would say stick with it, especially because you're such a big fan of, of his. And then I have a bit of a deep cut uh, recommendation, actually something that I can recommend. Uh, one of the qualifying Oscar shortlisted animated shorts called Ice Merchants that you can uh, go see for free right now, I think, on The New Yorker. I'll make sure if I remember to link it in the show notes uh, or in the description. But this is really a simple story of a... Uh, it, it, well, it's, it's a short, it's just 14 minutes long, um, of a dad and his kid jumping down from, like, I don't know, the, the little house up on, a, um, on the side of a mountain into the town... Um, doing things and it's a bit of a montage of them together and uh, there's not really any dialogue there but the animation style is, is like super fun it's very pretty it has like a really uh, sweet ending a bittersweet ending that um yeah left me almost almost uh, with a tear uh, as well so it's a sweet little um animated story that's currently if i had to pick it uh, it's i think also the only film i've seen probably that is shortlisted from the animated section would definitely give it the oscar uh it's a great one uh, so go check that out. Cut one more thing from 2023. If you've been wondering what Gerard Pot Butler has been up to, other than I don't know, Olympus That's not has a fallen. You ask yourself. No, I mean I just realized that he's Scottish, and I was like, hell yeah, solidarity. Uh, I don't know if if you, if you watch the the Fallen series, the like Olympus has fallen, yes. London has fallen. Yes. Now plane has fallen. Excellent. He's stranded uh, on some little island in the Philippines that's like ruled by militia, and now he has to uh, make sure that his pas passengers survive um, as they are taken hostage. And it's that type of action film that you expect to be horrifically bad, but it's actually but quite entertainable. It's, it's good. It, it's quite uh, entertaining. Yes. Gerard Butler is wicked. Yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty good in it. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen the the Fallen films other than I think the first one, Angel Has Fallen, and then I had no interest in watching the rest of them. Uh, it's probably just the quality of of a film that he's in. But he's he's a quite solid performer. And um, yeah, if you want your fix of action movie, I don't think I've told you this, but when when we first met, I was probably a big. I think, you know, I think I've told you already that, like, my film taste has definitely changed quite a bit. When I met yeah. you, I was pretty much that art, snobby, ah, oh, I love Elephant. 2001. By Van Elephant, Gust right, and, yeah. 
Yeah, right. I'm a, I'm an art house kid. I I only love art house movies, and I would never watch the Olympus Has Fallen series. Uh, well, that changed very very quickly. Uh, when I moved back <laughs> here, uh, yeah. I watched a lot of like action films, and I sort of fall in love with them. Right. And uh, one of my good mates, who I actually worked with, uh, who's also a film buff, uh, is, is an absolute like he prays to this man, Gerard Butler, every night essentially. <laughs> Um, that's <laughs> right. how much he loves his action films and gave yeah. me a bit of a better perspective on, on this sort of style of film. So mm. you fucking bet I'm going to be watching this film because <laughs> I am so excited because it's just that perfect, like mixture of like, this is our kind of, I guess, diehard of our age because we don't get those kind of movies anymore. We don't get that yeah. just pure action and but they still exist they're here they're just not highly like sought after like they were mm -hmm. back uh back when Die Hard came out this is essentially like our Die Hard franchise yeah I mean he is uh he certainly gives its its own twists and turns and I feel like what's good about this film um which actually good point of of pulling out uh pointing out Die Hard is that he's like not this indestructible action hero which we've gotten a lot uh, in recent times with like the rise of superhero films being more and more prevalent in the mainstream but here you get someone who's sweating who's like beaten who's panting and trying to survive who's he's a pilot in this he's not like a martial artist in in the slightest mm. and he's paired up with a, a convict uh played by M mike coulter who's also um doesn't get that much to do other than being menacing and good at killing <laughs> Uh, but, but I mean, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a fun ride. It's enjoyable. There's some clear bad guys versus the good guys. And sometimes you just need that like simple bit of fun. Uh, so yeah. it's, yeah, it's quite good. Uh, luckily I'm not done with what I watched because, uh, I, um, uh, well, I, I watched these next two films for a reason. Um, I'm pre preparing for, uh, two things. One of them is a, a bracket that I want to do for uh, the highest grossing 128 films, which of, of most of them I have already seen. One of the blind spots being Aquaman from 2018, which I haven't seen uh, yet, and, and I now have. And it's, I think, all I'll have to say <laughs> about Aquaman. Uh, what you, know, what I, you should say yeah. is that it revolutionized underwater filming way more than what Avatar Way of the Water did. <laughs> Dude, I, I thought, okay, so when they go to Atlantis, I thought it was, well, it, it's a very colorful film, right, overall. It's, it's uh, very like, colorful. quite cartoony. Uh, but compared to, like, the most recent Black Panther, and obviously it doesn't hold, like, <laughs> it doesn't come close to Avatar 2, but yeah. it's, it's so much better than what they did in Black Panther. It's crazy how this film has attracted so many big talent names like James Warren yeah. definitely was able to get some big names uh especially Willem Dafoe that was the biggest one where I was like I mean how'd they get Willem Dafoe he, he, in he this tries film? no I think he tries these things he does and he just goes for it and I, I feel like that's why like he he's, he's great because <laughs> um you'll see him in something where he's like you just pointed out uh, that that you uh, like you switched up and are now more of an action guy other than Artas. But he does like whatever he thinks Whoa, is probably don't interesting to him. categorize me as just the action guy. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I'm the clear Artas guy. Okay, okay. You're, you're, no, you're okay, you can the be Willem the clear I'm the Star Wars guy. You're the guy. Willem Dafoe of the podcast. You do a I'm bit of everything. I'm the Willem Dafoe Star Wars guy. I like that. I'd, I'd love to see him as like um, some Star, Vo Star Wars villain. I think he'd be great. Regardless, Aquaman has... Um, I, I counted four times where they're just talking. And then <laughs> two people are talking and someone just bursts into the room. <laughs> and it's... I, I think it's the funniest uh, film I've seen like in quite a while. It's like unintentionally funny. Uh, <laughs> It is, it is hilarious. I had a great time of it. So that's that's Aquaman. And then um, for an upcoming uh, Four Favorites uh, series, I'm trying to put together like a list for me, a watch list of romance films that I, I haven't seen. And I, and I think are going to appear on some people's lists. So I'm already a precautionary, the precautionary tale of, uh, I don't know, managing my time, knocking those out. And I've um, heard a lot of people say great things about Sing Street. Uh, from 2016, uh, about a mo uh, about a boy in Dublin who's uh, growing up in the 80s who uh, wants to escape and create music, and it's uh, it's it's a really 
great film. It's a really charming film. Wouldn't say it's one of my favorite romance films or coming of age films, but uh, certainly uh, worth checking out. But that's that's all I've been watching, Lachlan. Cool. So that's all for what we've been watching. So let's uh, get that Roomba going, Lachlan and talk about Noah Baumbach's white noise. Jack Gladley, professor of Hitler studies at the College on the Hill, husband of Babette, a father to four children slash stepchildren, is torn asunder by a chemical spill from a rail car that releases an airborne toxic event, forcing Jack to confront his biggest fear, his own mortality. So that's white noise from Noah Baumbach uh, coming in at a runtime of 136 minutes. I had a budget of a high budget of $100 million and is a Netflix production and the novel adaptation of Don DeLillo's uh, novel of the same name. Uh, it premiered earlier in 2022 in Venice and has been received <laughs> in a quite mixed way. Uh, I feel like this movie is hard to recommend. And if you're on the verge of like, I like marriage story, should I go check out White Noise? I think those uh -huh. two things shouldn't correlate. It's like, if, if you've been fun. someone who earlier was like Copenhagen Cowboy, that sounds interesting. I might give that a watch. <laughs> then White Noise is totally for you. It's, it's a quite weird film. And you can see that reflected in the ratings. On Letterboxd, it's a 3.1. On IMDb, a 5.7. And even on Metacritic, it's a 66. So it's not even one of those where the audiences are not connecting it with it too much. It's also the critics who are quite split on it because we do see some pretty favorable ratings, but then also ones that just completely trash it. So Lachlan, where do you land on White Noise? I'm, uh, I'm very confused about White Noise because it's, uh, it just screams like everything I want with a film. Right. It's, uh, it's weird. It's humor. Sometimes lands the visual style that they've decided to go with for this film is 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 very stunning very picturesque uh i think that the yeah. uh cinematography is wicked but also the production design is 11 oh, yeah. out of 10 Off the walls. 11 yes. out of 10 i think mm. also the costume design is 11 out of 10 i think that the set design is 11 out of 10 i think that everything you see on screen is wicked like, it's really mm -hmm. awesome visually when you're watching this film. However, there is so many, I guess, odd, peculiar issues with this film, mainly stemming from, A, the, the writing slash dialogues and story. I think that yeah. this is, I guess this book was known as it's impossible to essentially adapt to screen. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things about this novel that I, I haven't yeah. read this novel myself, but I have heard that it is a hard adaptation to do. Mm -hmm. So yeah. whatever I've uh, read Don DeLeo was, you've read it and I've read thoughts? it. Well, I, I didn't read it. I, I, I listened to the audiobook. <laughs> so you I didn't, fucking I don't know if that counts as You reading. make fun of me for not reading, but you don't read either. You just listen. Well, I, I didn't, I couldn't get the book in time and I did find it on Audible and then on my train sure. ride to Venice, I ended up uh, listening to most of the, oh. most of it. And then I finished it uh, yesterday again uh, to catch me up to speed because I did rewatch it this time. Sometimes these like Venice films don't get the rewatch treatment, but White Noise did actually get it. Uh, okay. But um, I'd agree because a lot of it, I mean, that's an issue with a lot of, uh, novel adaptations though that a lot of it is just told from the inside of the head of like the lead and they're just vocalizing sure. a lot of it and i think how baumbach goes about it i feel like the, the script is also like i wouldn't say the script is its downfall i did read the screenplay because it's also up for i guess some awards contention and i i like it a lot the way that it's written but it's just that the dialogue is very much it's it's not not i wouldn't say stagey i don't know how to put it it's very just bombakian <laughs> it's what he does well, i've seen a bunch of his films and they just there's a lot of dialogue usually and yeah. i just I, I don't like that as much as well uh first things first can you send me the screenplay because obviously i, I, fin I finished yes. reading um banshees and that was wicked so i will mm -hmm. definitely give this one a read because uh I do agree. I think Noah Bombach is an excellent screenwriter and I think he's 
screenplays are good. For me, it, it's yeah. not so much like the, the biggest downfall is how it's put together, the story, because it definitely mm -hmm. halfway through, without trying to spoil anything, halfway through the film, it kind of changes into what it's going to be. It kind of seems like it's going down one avenue and then switches over to something else. Probably, yeah. I, I guess that might happen I in mean, the book. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is this is not a, not a spoiler, but um, I guess the the chemical spill is more of like an inciting incident. We can talk about this, I guess, a bit more in spoilers, but I feel like this film is also one that you can talk a whole bunch about without actually spoiling stuff, because that mm. is that much like on the technical side of it as well. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it is in it. Uh, when I first uh, got to it, there's like I'd say even another turn later in the story that I found quite came, came out of nowhere for me. But now, uh, having seen it a second time, it kind of flows a bit better, in, in my sure. opinion. Um, but uh, that part was kind of just out of nowhere in the book for me. But the uh, airborne toxic event is just a catalyzer of the biggest overarching theme, which white noise is about death. I don't know what white noise is referring to, I don't know if, if, if it is about them because they mentioned like what, what if after uh, like at death, it is just sound at the end of it. You don't hear anything but, but sound, um, mm. which would be white noise, right? <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. It, it's just, um, it has a lot of themes in it that I didn't really care to think about too much um, other than I guess the most sure. obvious. Yeah, other than the most obvious one of death, like I feel like, um, the uh, maybe maybe we can talk a bit more about about spoilers. So I'll give a spoiler warning right now. I'd say if if you like Noah Baumbach's writing, um, and the style that his characters talk, you, you'll have quite a good time with uh, with White Noise. And um, I also think go give it a try. This might be a might be a bit of a stretch, but if you've watched Adam Driver's Annette, it's very oh, yeah. different in what Annette's trying to say. But it has yeah. a lot of similar, I guess, theatrical moments in it. And comedy uh, and, as well. And, and like, to get back yeah. onto what you said about the, the, the staging, I guess, how, how, how it feels like it's a theatrical play with how characters move around and how they vocalize and just sort of monologue for a good, you know, 30 yeah. seconds. And there's, a, there's an excellent scene between Adam Driver and Don Cheadle where they are monologuing together. And I have to <laughs> yeah. admit, that is the one of, and one of my biggest highlights of the film because it was structurally, like, everything just came together. And it was like, why is this part just so good? And everything else just seems to be, it's not fully... Try, it's not fully, I guess, uh, adapting what the book is trying to be and what message it's trying to bring across. Because I feel like then throughout the rest of the film, it's sort of just a mishmash of genres and ideas. Yeah. And I mean, we can get into it with spoilers because maybe we yeah. should, maybe we should. Um, I mean, but yeah. for me, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. The the novel thing is also I feel like it's a bit more morbid. It's a bit more cynical that this ends up being because I feel like there's a certain warmth that still comes through uh in this even if it's like the outlook is well there's, there's an airborne toxic event that will all kill us but the overarching thing is like well that doesn't change a thing because we are all going to die regardless and i think that's like the the, the, the point that it kind of makes through, through its characters and their choices that they makes make choices that aren't good for themselves or that 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 um maybe i don't know even threaten their health but it ultimately doesn't matter because the end point is still the same and um i, I found the novel to be a bit more dreadful in that sort of way sure. uh, but let's get into spoilers actually uh and uh maybe we can <laughs> so i guess i guess don Cheadle uh and that, that um that lecture uh one one v one um or maybe even playing off of each other i found that dynamic like don Cheadle was kind of an underdog hero for me in this he was he was so funny whenever he was on screen um he didn't miss uh <laughs> he was very pleasant to see on screen what are you doing he absolutely well cat yeah they just go they, they they're just going crazy they're like I, I don't know what they saw but anyways yeah no don Cheadle is was wicked uh, he just pops up randomly throughout 
and you're kind of just like yeah. enjoying every single moment uh, of how he seems to kind of like really <laughs> like Babette, Babette as well. and just likes yes. to keep reminding Jack how hot <laughs> Babette is. And I'm just like, what is going on with Don? Is Don Tr Deedle trying to fuck Babette? I think that's what's going, that's what's going on here. Um, yeah. So, uh, okay. As much as I keep shitting on like the story and everything, I, I like this film enough because I like these theatrical films. I absolutely adored Annette when it comes out and mm -hmm. I'm massively uh, a huge fan of Wes Anderson, who is very known for staging his uh, films in a very theatrical kind of way and a very, I guess, very mm -hmm. 2D way where White Noise yeah. doesn't do that to the full extent. It's definitely still a film, but the monologuing from some of these characters are... Quite crazy. So, I, unfortunately, I haven't done a second viewing like you, Ewan. Yeah. Um, and I think I might, but at the same time, mm. when I watched this, I thought it was going to be one of these films where I just go, I'm never going to watch this again. It's a one-time yeah. one movie, and I'm never going to watch it again. Uh, but mm -hmm. I feel like going back will give me a lot more insight, especially if I do read the screenplay as well uh, through its entirety. Reading uh, what they actually say might also... Uh, give this extra layer of depth to it because I feel like yeah. there's a lot thrown at you in this film and a lot of it can go m missing somewhere. So uh, I guess to start off with, the I guess the first, I guess, where, where, where should we start for this first act of this film? Like the from the moment they get to the, 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 the dinner scene where they're about to leave or should we do it all the way till they get to like the, the camp? Because there's a lot um, that goes on in this first there, act. There's, there's a lot that, that goes on and it happens quite like the, the airborne toxic event, I think is like 30 minutes into the film. Yeah. And I don't know when they end up at the camp because they yeah do go back to that, that dinner. Um, I feel like what, what is notable here is that like it has those screenplay setups of like them together in bed acknowledging that um, neither of them wants the other person to die first. And it, mm -hmm. like, there's there's a through line for that, and it's definitely one that there's gonna be video essays on, like what white noise says about death, what white noise says about your own mortality, or the selfishness yeah. of romantic uh, long-term relationships, where out of your own selfish need, you don't want to be the first one to be left alone, or or like no, the first one to leave the other person alone, whatever. There's a lot of that in in there, and then I think it it abandons that a bit more and then it comes back around once it gets uh, relevant again um mm. but yeah i don't know because I, I struggled coming up with notes to talk about with you on this because i feel like it's such an experience that it's it's hard to pinpoint these moments down um story-wise of of what we should talk about uh, but I don't know, maybe, maybe you got a better idea. Okay. So, I mean, we can just start off with this, this, this entire opening, I guess, act up until the point where yeah. we can kind of talk about where Adam Driver's character, Jack, learns that this airborne toxic event, that person punches it into the computer, like, ah, oh, you're going to die. I feel like that's a good, like, stopping point because <laughs> that's, that's kind of where yeah. the film changes, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that the, the film throws at you. So... For me, when I was watching this, I was like, oh, shit, is there going to be some sort of sci-fi aspect to this? Mm -hmm. Is there going to be some sort of alien invasion aspect to this? And that's where I yeah. thought the white noise kind of comes into play. And right. And then for me, the the I guess the film's first act isn't really much about death, but more about uh, too much information and not knowing enough information. And blowing yeah. things out of proportion because immediately yeah. in like the span of two seconds, it goes from like an oil spill to a fucking toxic airborne event, uh, which is yeah. like major repercussions. People are wearing masks. Like the, the, the transition between it's just an oil spill, Jack has no care, to you know all the kids running around. Uh, his son happens Heinrich, very fast. Yeah, uh, he's just an, a know-it-all and just starts to like blaster all of these things that just evolve. So it evolves extremely quickly from the moment of spill yeah. all the way up until that dinner scene uh, where they discuss what the actual event is. So it, 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 it evolves very quickly. And at first I'm thinking, 
it's an alien film. Okay, because I have no understanding of what the novel is. It's an alien film. There's going to be some sort of, like, creatures. Uh, and then you have that weird uh, old guy who's, like, handing him the, the bunny a bit yeah. afterwards. And there's that character. I'm like, oh, okay. It's kind of like the uh, in the... In Nope, where you have the uh, the old lady shot, where you think, oh, it's mm. an alien kind of thing. So I was thinking that's yeah. what that avenue, we're going down that avenue. We yeah. don't. We don't. And that's where it kind of left hooks. And it's quite jarring. It's very jarring if you kind of go, oh, this is where we're going into. It doesn't really drop the death themes until quite late into that final yeah, act. Exactly, you yeah, exactly. kind of left hooks and you kind of have to reset because the film then changes. It's then a story about death. Uh, Jack and Babette. It's it's not a story mm. about this toxic airborne event, this massive event that happens to this community. It's a story about these two and their relationship, which isn't to be completely unexpected. It is a fucking Noah Bumbach film, and he made Marriage Story, a very pretentious script yeah. about his own life. So uh, <laughs> you kind of had to see this one coming. Um, yeah. But, I uh, yeah. Yeah, you're totally right about that. That like, um, it's also that the toxic event, I thought was gonna be the whole rest of the film, and it would go maybe into a bit of direct, a bigger direction. But it's like it, it just ends, you know. And then we're left with that after that scene of like punching in the numbers. I that was my favorite scene of the movie, to be honest. I found it really funny. Uh, but um, yeah, basically, hey, we'll know more in fifteen years. Uh. Once you figured it out, when you're still alive by then, then I guess, you know, we figure out if you can survive. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, and um, then I guess for me, it makes the shift back to mortality there quite quickly. And the, mm. the airborne toxic event is not really that important um, anymore. And like you said, it's about that relationship again. And then um, I don't know if I, because I really didn't like that. Uh, that um, the guy who gives the bunny, right, is also the guy that they end up shooting. I think that is the same person. And it's also, um, I guess, the guy who was in the house on that very, very well done horror scene where Jack's asleep and dreaming. Like, that was very, somehow very well done. <laughs> it's yeah. like those little moments are very well done, but the overall story is just a bit all over the place. Uh, exactly, but that, yeah. that was probably one of the most intense scary scenes of i guess 2022 as a whole even though we're talking about this in 2023 it's technically a 2022 movie but like that was yeah. like th the whole of n the feeling you get in nope with that uneasy feeling in that scene so that's the only other time yeah. in, in the whole of 2022 where i was uncomfortable in a scene and that was one of them I I agree. I feel like that's probably where the comments came from about this being unadaptable because the novel does go down all of these like tangents, you know, and it can mm. do that. And it's not as jarring <coughs> as as if you'd have to visually buy into it and just put it on screen. I feel like there's, there's it's a bit harder to do. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. What did you think about Dyla, uh, the pill addiction and those ex uh, experiments and then whole hiding and lying? From well, Babette. then again, it's like it, it goes down this completely other avenue that the first almost hour of the film is is talking yeah. and suggesting about. Um, I thought I thought the Dyla thing, because obviously it's, it's brought up quite a, kind of early that she's on a pill, but, you know, they don't really lean into it until later on. Um, yeah. Was kind of interesting. I guess obviously there needed to be some sort of conflict between Jack and Babette that was easy enough to kind of understand. Uh, they seem to have this very open relationship, so they couldn't really have some sort of. They just couldn't like it, it, it's it's meant to it, it should have been so, it's something physical essentially. There's there's nothing uh, right. that like they're an open book between each other, so it had to be something physical yeah. between right. the two. That was the I guess the antagonizing event between them. Yeah. Obviously, this dialogue thing is one of them. It's a secret that she kept from Jack. And then yeah. it reveals to be even more of a secret of how she keeps getting this pill. If I'm totally honest, the last half of the film lost me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, um, that's how I felt I in, in when I first watched it as well. 
I really did, did feel that. And I don't know what it is. I feel like knowing where a movie ends up makes it easier to accept if you don't like it. And at the first time you go in with your expectations or where you think the story should end up or like where you want it to end up. And yeah, it's a bit easier to, I guess, adjust to that. But I also really didn't like that whole ending bit, the conflict between them. It didn't really work. Mm. I would say the moment that Jack goes to the doctor to get his checkup and then sort of calls the doctor to find out what this pill is. From there, I would say that's where the film lost me because it pretty much just goes yeah. into this sort of uh, Jack versus Babette moment and then, you know, the sort of make-up, break-up relationship. The kids are like, are you guys separating because, you know, you're sleeping on the pull-out couch? And mm. uh, obviously, at the same time, to build more sort of tension between everything, Jack's got this massive Hitler event coming up. And I guess that's a thing that we yeah. didn't really talk about a bit earlier that he's a, a Hitler Profe uh, youth yeah. study professor, um, which is sort of one of the most random professions or at least fields of study that you could possibly think of. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like this, this, this last half of this film, like that also then doesn't become a thing. Like the whole hit, him mm. being a, Hitler youth study professor was all in the first part. And then you don't really get much of it up until this sort of last little Hitler like event where they like have these, yeah. all these professionals come around. And he's doing a big old speech. Like there's but not he, of that he wants to half. leave as soon as possible. Right. It's not yeah. like because and he has the gun and he wants to go. It's more of a yeah. backdrop then. It's just this like really um, jarring. This is the midway point. We're, we're switching pace. We're completely something yeah. else now. We're not anything to do with the first half of the film except for those couple uh, scenes. And we're just going to reference a couple things there. It's just, it's a very tonal change of pace. It's just become a, mm -hmm. a drama instead of this sort of sci-fi, you know, big event. It's sort of like, mm -hmm. you know, it was the start of Independence Day and now it's sort of marriage story. Right. That's the right. first half. Yeah. First half is Independence yeah. Day at the start before the big explosion. And now it's a uh, marriage story, the second half of the film. And even though I really enjoyed the, I guess, the <laughs> the ending itself in the sense that uh, especially when they go to the nuns in the, in the, mm -hmm. in the hospital, yeah. I thought that that <laughs> scene where they're like Jack, the Jack going to this guy shooting him, I didn't. I didn't really have anything attached to it, really. I didn't really care. But when Babette shows up and they're dragging the body to the car, he's still alive. They're all talking. They had this kind of like joke where you just, you shot yourself. That and I thought that was quite funny. It seems to kind mm -hmm. of make itself, it, all of a sudden gets better. I don't know what it is. It's just from, it's from Jack calling the doctor to talk about Dialer till Jack shooting the actual dude who gives the Dialer out. That whole part there is just a mess to me. And I didn't really yeah. enjoy any of it. And it was a mess enough for me not to like the film because I think that's mm. the messiest point, that there, yeah. where it's a massive tonal shift. Um, but that last little end moment was weird enough where it's like these nuns who don't actually believe in God uh, are making these sort of references about death. And I thought that was some interesting stuff as well about the whole mm. death thing that they're trying to talk about. But... No, yeah, I feel like that moment there, now we're breaking it down, I'm thinking about it a bit more, that's probably the, the moment that... The breaking point the for most. you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I also really enjoyed the, the, the monologuing that uh, the nun does that doesn't believe, the beliefs for the others, or it needs to be, uh, like, appearing to be believing, otherwise the world would, would fall apart. I, I, I like that sentiment. Um, it's, uh, yeah, one that, one that resonates and um i mean i agree i i didn't really like that that part of the story too much and i i also gotta say i i don't like the stereotype of the smart i think he's 14 years old like heinrich their son ah, is yeah. like really annoying to me um i get what he's going for directors who write this really dialogue heavy these these scripts like that they do oftentimes fall victim to having a 
narrating person, an exposition person that's not like all in your face, but he's more in the background and he talks really quickly. And you don't even need to take him too seriously because he's still kind of goofy. You know, he's not like a serious person, although he is. I was hoping sense. for him to be wrong. That was what right. I was hoping for him. I was hoping that they would yeah. do a whole like, he know he's a bit of a know-it-all. And then yeah. he's completely wrong. And I mean, the, the character, yeah. The, the first sorry. half of this film for me is about misinformation. And I thought, right. oh, okay, he's just blabbering about random shit that he has. He's 14. How the hell do you know all about this? And I get that yeah. he's the son of this very smart dude. Um, and uh, Babette as well is also really well known in the community to be quite confident and helping out people. And at the same time, so is Jack as well. So he's this yeah. son of this very smart and confident uh, parents. So he should also be smart and confident, but I wanted him to be completely wrong because he's a bit of a fucking know-it-all. It has a lot of things that don't have a, a narrative, like, through line. Like, I don't think that it is important that it's their fourth marriage and all of the children are from different partners other than the youngest one who's theirs, and they have four children, their fourth marriage, right? And then, like, some of them is, is like, Jack's and the other one's Babette's. And I it's don't even know... Who's who? Like the oldest daughter, who's the one who picks up on Dyla the most. I don't even know if it's Jax or Babette's daughter. If I'm being honest, it's Babette's. It's Babette's. That's okay. the only one that so, I know because she's the only one that refers to. She refers to Jack as Jack and Babette as mum, which makes sense. But the rest of them are kind of just like mum and dad, and it's just like all very confusing. Yeah, it it is very confusing, and I mean, I I would have like there's this there's this um scene where Jack and Babette are walking and uh, it's right after the first time they've gone to the supermarket, I think. And they, they talk about, uh, well, she says, um, my life is either or. Either I chew uh, regular gum or I chew sugarless gum. Either I chew gum or I smoke. Either I smoke or I gain weight. Either I gain weight or I run up the stadium steps. And Jack says, sounds like a boring life. And she, and she tears up and says, I hope it lasts forever. I, that's really funny writing. It's not like even that dramatic in the scene. It's kind of funny and it cuts away pretty quickly. And I would have loved to explore that part of it more, like the mortality thing, be a bit more of a um, center point of them really constantly talking, thinking, breathing out everything that has to do with death, having an obsession with it. The dependency on, on these two things, like where you have a, being alive and all the struggles that it entails, like that it's too much that you don't want it. But then also, well, I hope this struggle goes on forever. And the mm. dichotomy of those two things together, I feel like are really hard to put on screen. But doing something this crazy with a story that's all jumbled together uh, at times, why not go more into that direction? Um, and yeah. like, I guess that's not the source material, but I found that like aspect of it that was like, ooh, do we get more of that? And it's, nope. he shot a guy because he was jealous. Um, so that's all it is. Jealousy. That's, that's all it is. Uh, yeah. My other favorite line is Elvis is my Hitler. <laughs> yeah. I was really enjoying <laughs> really the hell, uh, Elvis and Hitler Don't comparisons. Worry. They were quite funny. Yeah. The standoff lecturing thing was, was, uh, one of the highlights as well. I don't think we have much else to say about the story overall. We've, we've gone into it quite extensively. Um, mm. Now, you did mention the production design. Maybe now in spoilers, you can actually um, say specifically what you, what you liked about it. Like, it's obviously a very colorful film. Was that like mm. something that you enjoyed quite a bit? Oh, as I said, right at the start, I absolutely loved everything that was on screen visually. Like, it, it was right. just a, a, a fever dream of sort of, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know what era to call it of America, because it's obviously a... It, it feels like that turning point of consumerism in America where everyone's got a lot of stuff and they're all just learning their place in the world. So it's kind of like that, you know, 50s era, sort of yeah. 60s era America where there's like this ultimate threat of death, this Cold War era. I the Cold War yeah. is a little bit later on, I'm pretty sure. I'm not the best with history. No, I'm no, afraid, that's but, already, that's um, already, it's, it goes so on for like quite the, some time. That's like the, the moment in time that we're in. It's like this very vibrant yeah. life because there's this ever 
like looming big nuclear a bomb that's about to go off and it's yeah. one of the biggest things that i love about this film is just the visual style of it and the i guess when it was set because uh obviously i thought this film was going to be about some massive you know big you know <laughs> toxic airborne event yeah as it is and it ends up being something completely different but in the same way about the same thing, this, this, this fear of death. So, mm. you know, changing pace halfway through isn't totally left hook out of, out of nowhere, but it's still sort of a complete change of pace and direction that they'll kind of, I guess, focusing on. That was the main, the main thing that they're doing. So yeah. I, um, I love the visual style cause it's, it's, it's like, I guess, perfect for what it's trying to talk about. Um, and yeah, I hope that it does get some sort of Oscar nod for production design um mm -hmm. because i think it's wicked i think the, the the costumes are awesome i think the production design is awesome i'm even yeah. considering maybe cinematography as well because i think that it's yeah. very pretty as a as a as a, uh, as a film there's a i saw on a reddit there was a comparison to a, a picture that was done uh where the camera pulls up i think it's the last shot right at the end or it might be one of the shots in the start where it's the supermarket and it's kind of like a symmetrical shot. It's got all the roads. Yeah. It's based off of a, photo uh, a, a photograph that a photographer did um, way back. Uh, I feel like I should know what this is uh, before I talk about it so I don't seem like a fucking idiot. Yeah, I, I feel like that ending scene is, uh, is one that was like prominently featured in the, the trailer. And then I was surprised that it's like basically just a... A uh, new body Roomba music video. <laughs> the yeah. End of uh, unfortunately, I think that one didn't get uh, shortlisted uh, for the Oscars, if I remember that correctly. No? But, uh, no. Uh, well, what a shame. It, it was, it, yeah, it was on the long list, but it didn't get shortlisted. I think some other films went over it. I don't know if I'll, I'll put up the actual shortlist right now but i'm not entirely sure but i'm pretty sure it's it, even if it's in there it's not one of the ones that is the front runner um or like even a runner to to win award or even go up for the nominations because this year we have like mm. rihanna lady gaga and natu natu uh competing basically for the main prize there um but yeah i'd agree i i, I could also kind of maybe see like an adapted screenplay nomination as well but um just because i think that uh category is a bit weaker this year but um uh, probably a yeah. bunch of films that will um go over that i guess that would like be considered first um but yeah i think i think that's pretty much it other than i mean if you find that picture uh or the reference there then uh let us know and i might be able to pull it up on screen but if not Lachlan, where do you arrive at as a rating for white noise i gave it a three out of five three right out of five. okay very slick here i mean i am still uh at the same rating that i uh gave it on my first watch it's still uh four out of five for me i i really had um a good time with it uh i feel like something that we didn't really yeah. touch on too much to comedy for me was like more of an 85 15 made me chuckle a bunch of times so really funny weird movie all right Lachlan that is it for white noise but uh you have a double feature pick your pick of the week alongside white noise oh baby I've got a great one this week uh yes. white noise as many ways you can adapt this sort of phrase um mm -hmm. maybe the way that a a black man can make a white voice his white noise on the phone, <laughs> which is why I've picked another Adam Driver film, Black mm -hmm. Klansman. Absolutely phenomenal film. Had a great time watching this many years back. And uh, if you're looking for an Adam Driver double feature, I think this is the one where mm -hmm. you watch a bunch of white noise of Adam Driver being a father uh, to a big family and then a uh pretend racist i don't know where i'm going with this sentence i'm gonna yeah. finish it off by saying you should watch black clansman it's excellent <laughs> it is excellent one of the uh like best spike lee fi films in my opinion um he has a bunch of, of bangers there uh, i also have adam driver in my pick uh, surprisingly he's not the lead in it though 
but uh, Greta Gerwig is in uh, Noah Baumbach's other film from 2012, Francis Ha. Uh, it's my, I think, second favorite Noah Baumbach film, uh, apart from Marriage Story, so give that mm. a try if you haven't um, already. But um, that's it for this week. Uh, out now, in the States at least, it's going to be out for uh, us internationally in Europe and Australia in February is the searching sequel Missing. What the boys are getting internationally that the boys in the States already got is Babylon, Damien Chazelle's uh, crazy hallucinatory um, take on the late 20s uh, of Damien Chazelle. I can already give you my yeah thumbs up or thumbs down uh i can't really give it to you because it's a bit of a middle thumb to me um definitely the weakest babylon uh definitely the weakest babylon film no definitely the weakest damien chazelle film to me i'd love to watch it again uh it's one of those films but coming at a runtime of 190 minutes i think it doesn't really justify being like that long and it's you know we watched those trailers that had a lot of energy i think that doesn't completely translate on screen it's more of like like hectic chaotic energy that's like comes up and then it just wants to have slower moments as well it's a really fun film and i want to see more of these films be done with that type of budget but it just doesn't completely land and to me that's totally fine i, I also feel like talking about the numbers and like box office is probably one of the most boring things you can do for a film yeah that brings us to the end of this week next week we'll get to talk about babylon a bit more once Lachlan has seen it as well so that will be our main topic and then also get your uh, i guess oscar predictions ready because we are uh getting ready to get those oscar nominations announced i think in a week or two and we'll have our own little contest once again where, uh, yeah, you can play in it, but more on that um, later on. So thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to leave a like and subscribe. Follow us on our socials link below, and we'll see you next week in the 1920s. <laughs>